0: Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. Welcome to Celtics therapy, everyone. Yeah, we need it. A lot of depression going on in the Celtics community these days. And Mike Minkoff, how are you feeling, Mike?
1: I don't know about you guys. I'm living the pandemic dream. Winter in Washington, D.C. It's gray. It's cold. The Celtics are losing. Why would I need therapy?
2: Well, you could always become a Wizards fan. It's not too late.
1: After the trouncing we just got at their hands, maybe it's worth uh, considering that. No, I jest. But uh, this week we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to react to the Celtics' recent woes. Um, They've obviously just lost uh, painful back-to-back or uh, last two games against the Pistons and then got uh, shellacked by the, the Wizards on Sunday. Um, They've lost four out of their their last five games, three and seven in their last 10, five and 10 in their last 15 games, which is when, uh, coincidentally or not, Kemba Walker returned from injury. Um, And since Marcus Smart went down with injury at the end of the Lakers game, the Celtics have been three and six. Whew. Yeah. So. Josh, let's uh, let's imagine some of us are in need of some some Celtics fan therapy here. What do you got for us? What what are what is Dr. Josh? What is he seeing?
2: Well, there's a new psychological disorder on the map right now. It's uh, called Cephus, Sky is Falling Anxiety Syndrome. And um, I'll preface this by saying, don't worry, I'm starting trials on an antidepressant uh, starting tomorrow, a prescription. It will be given only to Celtics fans. Uh, Knicks fans get none. Um, So, like the vaccine, we're going to roll it out, you know, as quickly as we can. Uh, But let me know if you're having under which
1: administration. Oh, sorry.
2: Uh, Let me know if you're having uh, any of these symptoms of syphilis. All right. Um, Are you feeling like this is the worst case scenario, and it's happening right before our eyes? Mike,
1: I, I mean, I lived through the '90s Celtics, so it's not the worst case scenario. Uh, right, but what
2: about uh, the coach isn't being listened to anymore, and this is getting really
1: bad? It's definitely getting really bad.
2: The all right, what coach about
1: may or may not be getting listened to? Uh,
2: our all stars are going to leave us because that's just how the NBA is, and you know they might already be unhappy.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not there yet.
2: What about fire someone right away?
1: Adam, how about you?
2: Fire Where who? are you at? What about what about uh, quick trade somebody, and then the last symptom of well, we definitely
1: there's we need to make a trade. So I'm yeah. I'm on that Nobody one.
2: Nobody important
1: though. Uh, the, the last Nobody symptom important.
2: of of sky is falling. Anxiety syndrome is simply I'm jumping off the Tobin.
1: That that one I think all of us are safe from for the time being.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to be the optimist here. I got plenty of reasons why the sky is not falling. Um, and and I think it's really important for all of us to see the big, big picture here and get some perspective.
1: Okay, fine, fine. So, so you're going to try to bring a dose of optimism. I'm going to bring a a dose of realism. Um, I'm going to talk nerdy to, to y'all. So I did a little bit of a, a a dive into the Celtics numbers over the course of the season because if you're like me, you've been watching, the, especially the last few games, and just trying to figure out why there is no ball movement, why it seems like they're just taking contested shots, they're forcing the issue, they're dribbling the air out of the ball, um, and the results have spoken for themselves. So I, I looked into the numbers to see, are my eyes playing tricks on me, or is there something going on here? So First, I, I took a look at kind of the Celtics' isolation frequency. They, uh, their offense, they run out of isolation, 8.1% of the time. Would you, would you like a guess as to kind of where that ranks in the league? I know you love it when I, I do this, Josh.
2: I have no guess.
1: <laughs> no guess. So that's the fifth most frequent in the league. Uh, however, unfortunately, they score at the, at the fifth, fifth worst efficiency in the league out of isolation 0.82 points per possession uh they're overall in the in the 14th percentile in isolation plays in the league um so they are frequently operating out of isolation not frequently scoring out of it um it's a problem and it's exacerbated by the fact that last season so one jason tatum was actually a a good isolation player last year this uh he scored, I think, about a point per possession and was in around the 80th, 83rd percentile, somewhere thereabouts. This year, he's much, much worse. Um, I think scoring right around the the Celtics overall rate, and I th- believe is uh, in the four, around 40th percentile. Kemble Walker, uh, historically, la- or last year, was in the 83rd percentile. This year uh, is down in like the 30th or 40th percentile. Uh, their best isolation player last season no longer wears a Celtics uniform. He's now on the Charlotte Hornets. One Gordon Hayward, who is scoring like 1.15 points per okay. possession out of the isolation. So we are just atrocious this year. We were much stronger last year, um, but stylistically our offense is not kind of adjusting to that reality. But there's some good news. There's some there's some hope. We do have a good offensive play type. So NBA stats, they, they have tracking data by play types. They, you know, spot up shooting, pick and roll handler, pick and roll roll man, um, off the cut, etc. cetera. Would you like to guess, Josh, what our good offensive play types are?
0: Uh, no. You got to take a guess, Josh. This is good. This, this is, is good. You're going to like this.
2: Um, yeah. Pick and roll threes. Mm, give no. another guess. How about another I'll,
1: guess? I, yeah, I'll give you like two more guesses.
2: Uh, the driving kick.
1: No, no.
0: Mike, what about that play where the center sets a pick and then rolls and then sets another pick that often gets called <laughs> as a, a, a foul?
1: Yeah, no, no. That that the uh, the Gortat is not tracked on NBAStats.com, but that is so I, I can't say definitively. No, it turns out there's no half court play types that the Celtics are good at. Uh, at They're in the 55th percentile at spot-up shooting, so they're, like, slightly above, purely mediocre there. The only, They're third best in the NBA in transition offense. They're in the 93rd percentile. Yeah. That's 15% of their possessions. Everything out of the half, half court is mediocre or worse. Most of it worse.
0: So Tommy Hineson, uh, fast they, break, fast break, fast break.
1: They take the second fewest shots in the league after zero dribbles. They are second worst in the league at both assists per game and potential assists per game, with only the Knicks rating lower than them. 14% of their shots are taken after seven or more dribbles, which is fourth in the league. And then 22.3% of their shots are taken after three to six dribbles, which is first in the league. So... All of this is to say that the eye test and the numbers are really in alignment. Uh, the Celtics are over dribbling, not passing enough, not creating good looks for the for their teammates. Um, but the question, you know, there are a couple of questions that that begs. One is, is it something wrong with the offense they're running or is it because they don't have enough talent? And I think we'll get into some of that discussion later. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say is, so as far as they're the not passing, the other, the other kind of, there are a few good teams in the NBA that are in the neighborhood uh, of the Celtics as far as total number of potential assists per game and assist actual assists per game. So Portland, Philly, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Um, so those are the teams with good records in that neighborhood. What I think, what I think is telling is that so Portland has Dame Lillard, Philly has Joel Embiid, the Clippers and Lakers obviously have their super duper stars. I think it's uh telling that this suggests to me that Tatum and Jalen can't carry like an ISO heavy offense at the level of the true elite offensive players in the league, which isn't a knock on them, but it is a reality and maybe they could grow into that. I'm not personally convinced. I want them to grow into that because i I find it, like, aesthetically less pleasant, but um, I, I think the numbers aren't lying here, and certainly the Celtics' record isn't lying. Well, Any reactions to those stats, or do you want to just jump into why why I'm... Yeah. You want to okay. pour some, some hope on my negativity?
2: Well, I just want to bring a little perspective is all. You know, the, this is year one of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum actually being good facilitators. And despite those stats, I would say that they're, you know, the eye test is showing me that these guys, who really both of them previously were unable to facilitate at a high level for anyone else, and they had other guys who were doing that predominantly, like like Hayward, um, and now they're they're doing that at a way higher level, and it just so happens that the overall product is is lower than what, you know, what it was in the past, and I think that that is partially because of players we lost partially be just because of the wacky season that we were playing this year and it's partially because there's a learning curve with that but I think that there's a positive in that they're actually facilitators now you know there there's 26 point per game scorers who can make plays for others as well um, we just got to make sure that we do it like 25 and 26 year olds instead of 22 and 24 year olds so that that would be the first thing that I would say um, I think too you know there's there's a lot of stats that show that we're terrible, and there's a lot of sh- stats that show that we're actually not so bad. We got six guys shooting 40% or higher from three. We're 38% as a team on three-point shooting, which is one point above league average. Um, so that's not stat's not so bad. And so you know, some of the things you look at, it shows you one thing, and some show you another thing. And I think that the, the main perspective that I'm trying to bring on this pod today and, and maybe for the rest of the season is that we really can't believe our eyes. We can't believe what we see in the stats, and we can't believe what we see on the court. This is just a weird year. And an example of that is that if you look at the overall standings, there's only a couple of teams playing great basketball. Everybody else is struggling. Um, There's a lot of bad teams that look like playoff teams right now. So just the whole season is upside down. It's affecting winning percentages. Therefore, the goal of this season, in my opinion, is not to play well and to win games during the regular season. It's just to win enough games to make it to the postseason. Um, and and then to hit your stride come playoff time. There's a lot of kinks that we need to work out. There's a lot of challenges that we're facing. Um, but I mean, you look at the Heat. They're they're currently last year's Finals team, and this year they'd have to win a play-in game to make it to the playoffs. Um, out west, right? The but Mavs the the, in a the Heat, situation. You know, these are these are good teams, just like the Celtics are. Yeah, the Heat.
1: we were missing. I mean, the Heat and the Mavs are two of the teams that have lost the most players due to COVID. Like yep. the the Heat didn't have Butler for what three or four weeks? Or, I think it was a really long time. Um, and the Mavs didn't have Porzingis due to other injury. Plus, they got uh, hit really hard with COVID. So um, right, and
2: everybody's. Um, got but the point's taken. The point's taken.
1: Uh, the season is it's it's a bizarro season.
2: And so here's here's a couple more for you. Um, if the playoffs started today, the East alone would have four teams making the playoffs under 500. Uh, last year, there were only two of those teams under 500 making the playoffs, and then the year before that, and the year before that, there was none, and the year before that, there was none. I mean, normally you've got playoff teams who are 500 or above. Um, we got to go all the way back to Jeff Teague and Al Horford's 60-win Atlanta Hawks team in 2014-15, where you've got teams that are under 500 making the playoffs. So this is another way in which I'm looking at the standings, and I'm just like, there's just a lot of middling teams. Or there's teams that are that their records don't show what they actually are. I mean shoot, the Knicks are your seventh seed right now in the playoffs. Do you do either you guys think that the Knicks are gonna be a playoff team, a good playoff team, win win a first round?
0: Well there's a difference No, they're not go ahead. Josh, you're you're like debunking these stats that Mike is giving and you're basically saying you can't believe your eyes, you can't believe the stats. So what are you believing? What should people believe? What can they believe?
2: I think that people need to understand that there's going to be so much variance this year that they can't ride the highs and the lows if they want to keep their sanity. That we need to understand that there's going to be some crazy lows and there's going to be some crazy highs. And once you once you kind of have that perspective and go into the game watching the game with that perspective, I think that we're going to get some uh, some some better outcomes in terms of our own happiness. I mean, everybody's thinking the sky is falling you're there's everyone on twitter saying fire brad you know and it's it's i want to throw some water on that fire right
1: now okay i have a question so there's there's two approaches to being a fan (laughs) right there's one that preserves your mental health And, and happiness and well-being, and then there's one that is like. That is
0: what Mike is doing. My
1: my <laughs> no, this isn't what I'm doing. Uh, but there's one where it's. Uh, your your satisfaction is derived on the chances of the team you root for winning a championship. So for for the for the sake of argument or discussion, not even argument, like, sure, don't panic. If you want to keep your sanity, if, concern, if your primary concern is the Celtics odds of winning a championship this season, how worried would you be, Josh?
2: Um, I'm still not that worried. I, I, I think that the variance is so huge. I mean, look at Anthony Davis just went down an Achilles injury. So like crazy things happen when you least expect it. I think the Celtics team can still win a championship despite what we're seeing right now. I also think that there's a chance that we would not win a championship and we would enter into the, the playoffs with as a lower seed. I could see us beating a higher seed. And I could see several teams, like more than two teams, low-seeded teams, I think will beat higher-seeded teams in the playoffs this year. So there, there's going to be – so, you know, I think playoff seeding goes out the window. My, um, but and, there's a
1: difference between winning your fr- one round as a lower seed and winning a finals. Of course. Like I feel like I feel like this whole perspective is flawed cuz I think deep down all you want is for the Celtics to make the second round and get as high a draft pick or as low whatever as good a draft pick as they can this season cuz it's a deep draft. I think for you that's the optimal season. No.
2: No cuz I still want to be in the playoffs because I think we're good enough, we're talented enough to and we have a good enough coach to be able to make a run in the playoffs and beat anybody. I really truly believe that. I'm also happy as a Celtics fan if we don't win the championship this year because i see us having a long standing championship window i see us having the two best young pieces in the entire league paired together for the future you know so well, yeah. what what do you do think adam
0: yeah. yeah so i, I want to take a circular approach to answering your question about this concern for the championship mike first of all josh i need to applaud you for using the word variance in the talk nerdy to me segment that's the kind of language we're looking for So thank you for supporting (laughs) us there. Um, Also acceptable
1: uh, regression to the mean.
0: (laughs) Yes, all of these things can happen. Oh, just wait. (laughs) It's just less expected from you, Josh. So I appreciate it. Um, I want to I want to bring your attention. I don't know if you, you both read Jeremy Stevens' article from February 14th on Celtics blog entitled "Celtics Struggles in the Context of Health." There's a phenomenal graph on here that basically points out that there is a direct correlation between health this season and whether a team is um, playing better than they than than was expected. And the teams that are playing really well, like Utah. New York, you guys mentioned. Sacramento's playing better than expected. Uh, Charlotte, Phoenix, San Antonio, they are all healthy. They're starting lineups, they've played like almost the same starting lineup in almost every game. I think Utah has played, this is up until February 10th, they had three different starting lineups all season. Boston has had more than 10, and I think the most Boston has ever had is 15. Uh, but the, the teams that are playing worse than expected, like Miami... Washington, despite the the blowout of the Celtics the other day, Brooklyn, uh, Dallas, Minnesota, all have had a lot of struggles with health. So health it, this season, more than any other, has has impacted whether a team is playing up to expectations or not. Um, the second factor here is this was not a championship season for the Celtics. The the uh, Front office decided. We talked about this on the, during the offseason, um, and I expected this to be. This is uh, for me. This is the championship window is currently open. You've got this year and the next three with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together on contract. Now is the time. But they did not go out and get veterans who could actually play to try and win the championship this season. They brought in a couple of vets that hopefully were, would be able to help, but. I'm sorry, Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, they are what I thought they were going to be. And they brought in more rookies. So like two thirds of the roster is on their rookie contract. You do not win games in the NBA in the regular season or in the playoffs with teams as young as the Celtics. And so when you factor in their youth, because, hey, it's it should not be surprising to anybody that this team has been inconsistent. That's what young players do. That's what young teams do. So that factored in with the, the health this season, it, it shouldn't be surprising that they're 13 and 13. Um, I, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> it's hard to watch this team play like they did against Washington, where it looks like they just don't care. Like like they're not caring like I'm not caring sometimes during COVID. Like there's, there's a. am I'm imagining that a lot of the struggles that we're all going through during COVID, that that's the same stuff that these guys are dealing with. They're just 23 years old and so have less knowledge of themselves. Le- potentially less community around them less coping skills it's just harder to deal with um so josh i, I hate to agree with you but uh you know i think that the sky is falling mentality is is just not appropriate for this team and mike the question about shouldn't aren't you concerned basically aren't you concerned that they're, they may not be able to win a championship this year <laughs> like yeah but that was not the expectation right
1: so i i need to respond to that so we, we did discuss this preseason, and um, we, we, I think, came to agreement on the idea that the first part of the season was going to be evaluative. So to me, what and I was um, at that time more comfortable with the Celtics offseason than you were, much more comfortable than you Adam. I thought
0: it was the whole season um, was going to be evaluative.
1: No. It, so to me, it was the first part of the season, especially when Walker was out, Cause what I thought, I thought the Celtics were going to be five and 10 or six and nine before Walker came back. And then we went eight and three to start the season or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And Jalen came out playing like he took two leaps to start the season. So for me, that totally shifted my perception of the ceiling of this team. Um, And then, but then Kemba's come back, and we've been five and ten, and Kemba has not been good. Just period. Like, agreed. You, there are caveats, perhaps, but he's not been good, and I think it's time to wonder if he will get back to being good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm. It's not, you know. So, um, so, but when Jalen became a legit, clear-cut all-star, like, and just, you know very 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 high level if not outright elite nba player um and tatum has had the trajectory that he's had for his career then uh, then to me the championship window is immediate because you don't know how like you had we talked about this a few weeks ago josh like you have a team like the thunder you think it's there for years and things can change um
2: yeah, this is symptom number 3 of This isn't is this quality. isn't a, I'm not worried that they're going to leave.
1: Just but health happen like things happen. You don't you don't just say, "Oh, we've got 6 years. So I'm not going to make moves now." No. You don't make yeah, bad they, moves, but you don't yeah. make bad moves, but you try to win a championship.
2: Right. And but look, just like just like team success and team experience are directly correlated to health, so is fan experience and fan fan success. Like I feel like our our fan success rating sucks right now because we're all cooped up, you know, COVID is making us irritable too. And like, if you haven't gone outside to get fresh air, if you haven't had any water in the last three hours, if you haven't had any human interaction outside in person in the last 24 hours, like you're going to start feeling irritable and you're going to lash out on Twitter about how we need to fire Danny Ainge. You know, like this is, Zach Cram had had an article on the Ringer recently. Um, it was mostly about you know three point shooting and how three point percentage is a direct link to team success. You know, which is again another reason why I'm not that worried about the Celtics because we have good shooters. Um, but the, for the purpose of this discussion, you know, the one thing he stated was that the most this year is showing some of the most inconsistent teams in league history, and the Celtics are among them. Like. 90th percentile and up in, in inconsistency, and he, he measured that based on standard deviations of point differentials in the first 25 games. So um, I feel like, again, this is, this is another example that there's so much variance, there's so much unpredictability in this that we need to take this season and our expectations for the season, whatever they may be, with a pound of salt. And that's just going to be better for our mental health as fans.
0: Mike, you, you know the regular season is never a full indication of what's going to happen in the playoffs. There's two different seasons, and this, this regular season is just that much more crazy.
1: I, I mean, first of all, that's not entirely true. There are, there are some teams that perform really well in the regular season that don't go on to have as much postseason success. Uh, The only teams that don't perform well in the regular season that go on to have substantial postseason success have LeBron James on them or the Miami Heat in a bubble season last year. Um, But otherwise, like or they have like Shaq, they have like a Hall of Famer on their team. Um, Which we have, uh, by the way. We yeah, we Tippen may,
0: and and uh, but Tatum and, Brown, right,
1: Tatum and Brown are not at their <laughs> at that level yet. If they are to get there, which is possible, um, logic, I also think
2: that, I'll, that logic. Uh, I don't know if we can apply to this season though. I respect the logic. You,
1: it, 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 you might be right. You might be right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not panicked, but I do think. I think we've undeniably been bad. The last couple
0: oh of games. Oh my God, it's been gross, right? It's been so like, disgusting.
1: and and I think there are. I think it's hard to look at this team in its current construction, and the you know, and and imagine that this same collection of guys with the same rotations and the same habits can get to the playoffs and make a and make a real run. We're gonna make the playoffs. Like, I'm not worried about us making the playoffs but it's, it's hard to imagine just making a real dent once we're there based on, certainly based on how we've been playing. So this leads me to, to our, our, our next, our next segment. And my question for, for both of you, for all of us is right. We can all agree the Celtics have been bad recently, whether to panic or not. That's a different question, but they've not been good. Right. So at this point in time, you have what are the three fixes three things that you would change or fix if you and it can be at the gm level so it could be roster personnel moves it could be at the coach level it could be if you were brad stevens for a day how would you change the rotations would you have a one-on-one with jalen and talk about x y and z or it could be like a specific player change like like a a a specific change in a habit or a, a tendency or a, a skill for to focus on for a specific player. What are the three things you would, you would tinker with to, to write the ship for the Celtics?
2: Adam, Adam you want to go first or do you, you want, want me to go?
0: You go first and then all I'll right. go
2: after. Um, number one, as the GM, I would try to make these two moves and if I can't make them, I'm okay with that. And I go in a different direction. All right. But I would try to use the TPE and young players and draft picks um, to try to get DeMar DeRozan or John Collins. And I would give the mother offer for either of those guys. And then I would hope to re-sign those guys to a max contract or just under max contract.
1: Um, Wait, you would give a max contract to DeRozan?
2: (laughs) I would give, I would give. (laughs) Sorry, wait, what? (laughs) I would give 25 million to DeMar DeRozan and John Collins.
1: Well, that's, not max. that's not max, for the so, record. So, And, and if they yeah.
2: push me to the max, I'm at the point where if I'm giving up a bunch of draft picks and I'm putting in some young players and I'm and I'm putting in the TPE to try to make this big move, those are the only two guys that I really think are going to help us. Like, getting Vucevic for a mother load of draft picks and, and the TPE, that doesn't excite me. Vucevic, yeah, he excites me, but if it's going to take three, four first-rounders, and, and you're given that like kind of a haul that people are given these days, you don't do that for Vucevic. But you, do you don't do do that
1: for – no, you don't. Oh, I would do that for DeRozan, DeRozan.
2: Uh, and I would do that for John Collins. That's why me. you're not a GM. That's why you're turn. not a GM. <laughs> it's my turn, right? So let me take San my turn, Antonio, and then you can have your turn.
0: is going to trade with Josh for DeRozan.
2: So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you're of get these better players off. are available. But I'm, but I'm trying to get both of these players – uh, with with draft picks, that's clear to me as okay. A and, if that and is it fair happen, to say?
1: Sorry, is it fair to say your preference would be DeRozan over Collins?
2: No, I would go either way.
0: DeRozan go. over everybody for Josh.
2: Uh, and I'm and I've never historically been a huge DeRozan guy. I just think that this is the most underrated player in the NBA today, and he's the perfect complement, veteran who can take scoring loads off of our two stars when they need it, and fit in as the third the third guy in order to really get over the hump and win a championship, he's not going to do that with the Spurs, no matter how great Pop is. Um, Josh, if,
0: if um, San Antonio asked for Tatum and Brown for DeRozan, would you do it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, both of those guys are not involved in these trades, and you know that. All right, move are number you, two. Oh,
1: okay, go ahead.
2: Move number two, as a coach, I would make sure I redefine the roles, and e- even if they end up changing, I think that we need a redefinition process going on with our bench. Like, are you playing Carson Edwards or are you playing Aaron Nismith? Like, those guys need to know who's higher up in the rotation. And we all need to know as fans, like, the team needs to know because expectations are important. And Brad, he loves tinkering. This guy, that guy, I'll start this guy. It's like, we need to know. Like, we have uh, some consistency with our roster, which is supposed to help us. But if we don't have defined roles within that consistency, it you know it's it's a lost opportunity in my opinion. So like okay, Ojala is a starter, fine. Let's keep let's be consistent with that. Let's put Thompson as the second big behind Tice. He's obviously not as good because he doesn't shoot the three as well at all. And let's let him know that's his role. Let's give Jeff Teague like specific do's and don'ts and make his role super simple. I've, so that I've got some for You know like <laughs> we, don't play. Do yeah. keep that bench
1: warm and wave that towel. <laughs>
2: it's super simple. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, to me, the roles are not defined for our guys. When you look at a team like the Utah Jazz, yeah, they've been healthier, but their roles are super defined. Everybody knows what their role is and their vets. This is even more important for young guys. They need to know what their role is going to be so they know their expectations. I think it's harder for Carson Edwards to reach half of his potential if he doesn't know what the expectations are When he's gonna play one game, he plays 26 minutes. He has a good game. The next game he barely plays. That that's not doing it for me anymore, um, for Brad. But and then the third thing is, I, I think these guys need time for mental breaks. They need time off. This is the kind of situation as a coach where you're so frustrated. You see how poor the defense is. Mike's giving you the stats about how terrible the offense is. You know you need practice time. You know you need time to get together and gel but because of the season and the way the intangibles are this year and how wacky everything is the right answer for that is guys just need a break you really just need to give these guys some space if you can find it in the schedule you know i don't even know if that's possible but to me those are the three things that i would do to, to change this team right now
1: we agree on 2 out of 3 but adam over to you
0: <laughs> no no you i mean you can't you can't throw that in and not share what the agreements and disagreements are go ahead Mike. well
1: yeah, I'm not I'm not pushing all my chips in for DeMar DeRozan or John Collins. If of the two I'd be more interested in Collins than DeRozan. Josh, I, I agree DeRozan is a really high level scorer. He is a proven non performer in the playoffs and we already have one veteran whose playoff track record is questionable. Like give me a give me a proven championship winner or give me like a young guy with potential. Um, uh, but as far as, so taking a break or giving the players a break and maybe giving Stevens a break. So when, when in the middle of the game against the Wizards, I, I put on the Celtics blog Slack, I was like, basically something is wrong. Either the Stevens has lost the team's ear, which everyone yelled at me for saying, or <laughs> or they're burned out. Uh, and I, I do think it's that they're burned out. and I, I think that's what you're suggesting as well. The team went deep into the playoffs last year. They've been d- dealing with injuries. This schedule's insane. Um, and these are young guys, like you were saying, Adam, I would like just give Kemba and Jalen and Tatum like two or three games off. Let's let let's just get all the crap out of the way. Let, let the young guys just play. Like, who knows what will happen, you know, when the Spurs were really good every once in a while, they'd sit Manu and and Timmy and uh, Tony Parker and like the Spurs would inevitably win those games somehow. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a surprise win. But I totally agree with you, Josh. We need to we need to give the guys some space. Um, It makes me think of what I've gone through up and down in my own job in my own full time job over the course of this last year of just feeling burnt out. The day is dragging. It's a pandemic. It's like Groundhog's Day, um, and you just kind of lose your juice. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to like un, you know, downshift and yeah, allow yourself to downshift and just rest and be like, get some perspective, like you're saying, Josh, like at the individual level, and be like, life goes on. I'm gonna be okay. I can feel good. And then you can go back and refocus and, and bring bring the energy you need to compete on defense and to make quick decisions about moving the ball on offense. But the guys just look drained. Um, I also agree with the redefining roles. I think so there are some specific ones that I would focus on. Um, I think I think Stevens is at the point, And if he's not, he needs to be at the point where that too big lineup is gone. Um, Tice is our starter. I'm not convinced uh, Thompson should be our backup big over Robert Williams. Um, but th- those two guys can duke it out for the minutes, as far as I'm concerned. Tice should be playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. Uh, the other, you know, Robert Williams and Thompson, that can be matchup dependent or, you know, how they're how they're looking. One gets more minutes than the other. I like um, that. Thompson's been crud. Um, you know, the one thing I will fault, maybe not fault Stevens on, but... I understand why he gave Thompson as much of a leash. I don't really understand why he he went with that two big lineup to start the season and stayed with it for as long as he did. I think that was just a a mistake.
2: I um, wonder if that was like the original cry for help that something was wrong this year. Is when when we start the season with two bigs. It was, is that a but cry it, from it just Danny?
1: didn't. It didn't make. It didn't make time sense at the time. Like we were, you know we talked preseason about wanting Grant Williams to start like I still think that would have made more sense. And Grant Williams has been awful this year. To be clear, but like, it like still it makes, makes sense, more sense than those two guys. It starting makes sense to each if,
0: other. if Brad if Brad felt like he didn't have any other options. It made sense. It was like I got to play the players who know how to play. Exactly. You're not giving me anybody else. So if Josh is saying that's a cry for help to Danny, then th- that's really interesting.
2: It's not a cry for help to Danny. It is. It is the I do, first I just don't sign Im- that something was wrong when you have to rely on when when you when you trust those guys instead of guys who actually play the positions that you want to have out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but I would. I mean, unless or until we get um, a, an upgrade at the wing, I would. I would probably start either Shemy or Grant Williams, at this point, um, at, at least until Smart's healthy. Um, I would stop playing Carson Edwards. I would stop playing Javante Green. I would give Aaron Neesmith as many minutes as you have at the periphery of the rotation. Because if we're going to be putting out efforts like we just did, we might as well give him experience. And I think he clearly has more potential than like Carson Edwards. So, and Javante Green, I like Javante Green. He's like kind of a solid guy, but there's no upside there. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure why he would ever get minutes over, uh, Neesmith at this point. Um, the last one would also be at the GM level for me, but it would, it would be smaller moves. I, I mean, we, we need a wing. I still like George Hill, uh, quite a lot. If, if we go in for like a Larry Nan, we need someone at the three, four, um, George Hill's a little smaller than that. He's more like a one, two and a half. But uh, a good, you know, veteran, proven performer in the playoffs, makes good decisions with the ball, solid defender, um, or La- Larry Nance. I would not give up nearly the haul you're proposing, Josh. I think we can do it with part of the TP and, like, a second-round pick and maybe a guy like Carson Edwards um, and, and yeah, get it done. I'm, I'm, I, I would I'm, also—
2: Mike, I'm actually on board with you with that. I think if, if you're not going to get a big fish— I don't want one of these middle of the road guys, an Aaron Gordon, a Vucevich. I don't want one of those guys, you know, but I would be okay grabbing a Thad Young, grabbing a George Hill, like those vets that, you know, maybe they're going to be similar to a Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, but we need more options with experience. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm curious what Adam has to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike took my play, Aaron Nismith. I'm done waiting he shot I think it was 1 of 5 against Washington but played about 30 minutes and did not look lost. He actually looked like he knew what he was doing. He actually no, and, he, showed, and he sprinted. <laughs> yeah, he actually I was going to say he, he actually showed some quickness and and part of that was because he has some quickness and he knew where he was supposed to be, so he was able to react in a different way. Um he, it was it was not a great game, but he he showed some flashes and he didn't look terrible and even if he had a negative on the plus minus I'm fine with that it like you, either this either we're going for the championship this year which I think the front office has sent already clear messages that that is not the case so if that is not the case you can't draft a guy at 14 and not play him in a, in a evaluative evaluative and and um developmental year play Aaron Neesmith um so that's because it's like either you have something or you don't but uh if you're going to make progress this year, you you, ha- you need him to be a contributor. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think you trade for something that improves your team in the next two to four years, whether that is a the, the kind of thing that Mike has talked about where you're not giving much up for that, uh, a, a portion of the TPE, maybe not the whole thing. Uh, I'm in on George Hill. Um, I don't like the... Uh, um, Josh, who was the wing you just mentioned that um, can't shoot threes? Thad, Thad young. young. Yeah, Thad yeah. Young, I nice don't the like him because he can't shoot either. Yeah. He's nice in the regular season. He he's not playable uh, in the playoffs. He's a life.
2: small ball five right now. Oh my God, he that's is. No.
0: we don't we don't need that though. Um, but you need but trade for somebody that's that's got more than just this year on their contract, or they're, that you're not giving much up for. Um, I, Josh, I'm not. I, I'm. I think I like John Collins more than uh, some other people. I don't know if I like. Paying him the max, and I think, I think you will need to, like, you're gonna need to pay him more than Jalen Brown, even though Jalen Brown is a better player. Uh, Collins is nice. I think he can play some small ball five. I think you can start him at the four. He's he, sh- I think shoots around forty percent from three the last two years. Uh, he's twenty three years old. Like he he's he grows with Tatum and Brown, um, but it's unclear to me whether he understands his role and. Um, And I I just don't think he's worth the max, but I think you're going to get other teams because he's a restricted free agent, signing him to something that the Celtics are going to have to match. And then you have problems with the cap. Um, I think you either then need to trade Kemba or you can't re-sign Smart. And I really want to re-sign Smart. Number three for me is to have patience with Kemba Walker. He's played, I think, 10 games since he's come back. And some of them he looks great. And others, he's he shows some bursts, but there's sort of a secondary burst that he's not quite getting to, whether that's getting his shot off in the paint or uh, bouncing off bigs to get fouls. Um, and I think you have to like it, it. You may be surprised that I'm the one that's saying have patience with Kemba, but I think he's looked good enough that it doesn't seem like this injury <laughs> is a, is a massive problem. It looks like he's just has he's just not back yet. I mean, the guy was off for. Nine months? Well, how long was it? Like, I mean, if you don't count the bubble, it's over a year. Um, so, either we get him back to the real Kemba, or we don't. But right now, he doesn't have trade value. So it's not like we can flip him and a couple picks for Bradley Beal. You're going to need a lot more than that, and and so it's it's not worth like there. There is no other good route here with Kemba. You have to just hope that he can return to a higher level. And there's and. There's enough reason because he's coming off this injury to believe that with more experience, with more time, uh, with more strengthening, that he'll be able to do that. If patience with Kemba is, is like not good enough for a, uh, an actual action step, then I would, I would agree with, with others and say that you, you got to play one center at a time. And Daniel Tice, we haven't talked enough about this. Dude is awesome. This guy is, is hitting threes now. Like He's always had a nice shot, in my opinion, in terms of how it looks. He's shooting it with confidence, and he's making shots, and that works only if he is the only center on the floor. If you're playing him with Tristan Thompson and Tice is at the four, the other team can put uh, basically a wing on Tice and stop that three. If you're pulling the big out, that has huge value. Tice is never going to be able to guard a Joel Embiid-level big um, or, or like a lot bigger, stronger guys, but... If he's hitting that three, I would take that with him at the five. He's always going to foul. That's fine. You need another center. Uh, let's stop playing this this too big rotation.
1: Yeah. So Daniel Tice, just uh, in a moment of appreciation for him, over our last fifteen games, again we've been five and ten. But like we've been just bad. Uh, his net rating in twenty five minutes a game is nine point seven so our offensive rating has been 116.6 which is a very high level offense our defensive rating has been 106.9 which would be like in top five in the nba um we've been just very good with him on the floor even when we've been a very bad team and we've just been very 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 bad when he's off um unfortunately we've been worst Not with Tristan Thompson on the court. uh, We've actually been just a little below average. It's been when Grant Williams or Robert Williams have been on the court. Um, So that's a little bit of a bummer for me. But uh, let's not take away from Daniel Tice, who I agree has just been phenomenal.
2: And then the other guy we love so much on this podcast, uh, to me he's reason number two right underneath how wacky this season is and how we should temper our expectations. The fact that we haven't had Marcus Smart and his ability to come back and right the ship, you know, it's it's almost like we're out on the battlefield fighting with weapons, but we have no heart beating inside our body right now. Like the, he's the guy who's gonna get people to play hard. He's the guy who's gonna you know lead by example. He's the guy who's gonna make the right play and get more ball movement. I mean, that's the guy we're missing right there. I mean, doesn't yeah, this so, exemplify how important he is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I was tempted to like start the the conversation in the podcast today with like can we just chalk all of this up to Marcus Smart being gone so just a a quick (laughs) I mean you know when you're talking about effort when you're talking about like even ball movement like he's one of our best playmaker you know um obviously defensive focus and tenacity he's he's right at the top for us so as far as the Celtics kind of overall team advanced stats um through january 30th which was the day he got injured the celtics had a 2.7 net rating it was you know like seventh or eighth in the nba through that point um solid not spectacular um but since in the in the nine games since they've been negative 3.1 their offensive rating has dropped two points from 111.6 to 109.6 and their defensive rating has gone up which is bad uh, by just about four points uh, three point8 points from 108.9 to 112.7 so is I mean that it's basically been like a six point net rating swing for the team since smart has been injured I don't think that's I don't think that's all because of Marcus but I don't think it's an act like I don't think I think a decent chunk of it can be attributed to him
2: yeah Yeah, I mean, Mike, I like your theory that we could just chalk all this up to Marcus Smart being gone. I was wondering, can we chalk all this up to Boston sports fans just secretly being mad about Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl again? And we know how Boston sports fans are. Things carry over, you know, like.
1: Yeah, they come up with crazy theories like this is all attributable to Tom Brady winning (laughs) the Super Bowl.
2: (laughs) That could have been us. And now and now who's the team that's still playing? It's the Celtics and they suck. Okay, I'm taking all my anger out of them.
1: Adam, you shared a zygote with him.
2: <laughs> all I'm saying is, you don't want to be married to a Boston sports fan when they're angry. Can you even imagine? Oh boy. Well, all right. So, <laughs> on that,
1: on that um, questionable theory, uh, Josh, you want to give us a read on the upcoming schedule?
2: Yeah. Um, so we got Denver coming up. Denver's been a little bit up and down. Go figure. And you know, obviously, a, a really good test for us um, because Jokic is such a dynamic player, and you know our centers struggle sometimes with some of the bigger guys in the league. I think that's a that you know obviously that game's tonight. Uh, this pod releases Tuesday, um, and then we got Atlanta twice, which I think are both winnable games. You know that team does not play any defense as well.
1: That's, that's two games at home too. Those are both in Boston,
2: and then we finish out the week with New Orleans. Which is again a team that is winning four games in a row all of a sudden, but has been playing terribly all season, and then they lose by 25 or whatever the next game. And so that's just an extremely underachieving team. Um, I'm kind of excited about this week because we have that Denver game. That to me, that's like the legit game on our schedule. And then the next two we have, the next three we have are are easily winnable games. Um, And then we play Atlanta again next week. So it's like we got Atlanta three times here coming up. We'll get a good look at. uh, their squad, Rondo's playing. Have you guys been watching? Is Rondo in?
1: Not sure. But all the love, Rondo. Word
2: on the street is that Rondo is uh, a shell of his former self this year, even from last year. I don't believe it. I need to see it for my own eyes.
1: Well, the, you can't he, tell until playoffs he, anyway. Yeah. The, how many primetime games has Atlanta played? Yeah, not <clears> many. You know, big game, big game, Rondo. Primetime, Rondo. Playoff, Rondo. Atlanta, Atlanta's not in those games right now. So,
2: and and, uh, with Atlanta, we'll get a good look at John Collins, who, you know, in my opinion, is a really good fit next to Tatum and Brown at the four. Um, Like I said, last pod, second year in a row, shooting over 40% when he coming into the league was a guy who was just an athlete and couldn't shoot the three. And now he's got a a versatile game. Um, So we'll get to see him up close and personal. Um, Josh,
0: what's your package for uh, Collins?
2: It's it's the same as you know with any of these guys. You're giving up three, four first round draft picks. I'd prefer three. You're giving them Romeo. You're giving them. Uh, um, Rob I've Williams. already
1: shipped you, John Collins, and have accepted your offer. Like you've given me. You've given up way too much.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're you're giving up a lot for another young piece that you can build around, and and you're having to break up the bench of guys with inconsistent roles and inconsistent outcomes. You know, but who are the, You're probably giving up the guys, the young guys that seem the most enticing to other teams. Which, you know, if I if I were another team, it would be Romeo. It would be uh, Rob Williams.
0: I don't think anybody likes Romeo, but Rob Williams, people might be interested in minimally.
2: I mean, you're you're letting them take their pick of of our secondary assets. Yeah. Yeah, but not three first round picks. That's that's a
0: lot. Maybe um, maybe these will be showcase games against Atlanta.
1: All right. we are we are uh, nearing the end, which brings us to our our new uh, recurring segment uh, for our positive thought of the of the week of the day. Um, Josh, would you like to kick things off? Uh, sending some positive perspective-laden vibes?
2: Yeah, we out are, to our listeners. We are a really good team. We are playing very poor, but we have elite talent top-end talent that other teams would beg for. Um, and just the fact that we are not having a good regular season means that we're going to be just that much higher up in the draft, and this is a draft loaded with 6'7 to 6'10 men, like the exact position that we need, versatile, athletic guys like a John Collins who could come in and, and be that other piece um, with a little bit more size to make sure that Brown and Tatum don't have to be guarding Anthony Davis. You know, in the, in the playoffs, like the, the, this is a draft for the future. The next two drafts are huge. Um, and, and you know, if we're going to give up first round picks, we better get something good in return. That's why I'm, I'm targeting those two players, Collins and DeRozan. But if not, I'm really excited about this draft. And I'm happy to be a low seed playoff team that has the ability to to beat a high seed just be, based on our talent alone and our coaching. Um, I'm, I think we're in a really good position. Um, and I, I don't think that we should forget how good we are as a team or how good we're capable of being.
0: I was listening to the John Hollinger and Nate Duncan podcast, and they both talked about which team would you like to have in terms of their roster for the next five years. Both of them picked the Celtics number two. Uh, so since Josh already stole that, I'm, I'm actually going to say um, Daniel Tice has been a revelation the last Uh, For all season really and and going back to last year, this guy's really good. He makes five mil a year He's a starting center in the NBA. I think he plays the way that we want our centers to play He switches everything if he can shoot threes. It's a game changer, especially if he takes them frequently enough Um, I I love what I'm seeing from him and it's like despite (laughs) this this like the challenges of this season and how poorly the Celtics team is playing, we keep hitting these benchmarks of things that are really important for the team. Jalen Brown took a leap. Jason Tatum has playing been playing great. Um, Kemba Walker came back. Daniel Tice is playing great. It's like that's just another thing. We just got to keep going. It's a long season, Mike. All right,
1: I will. Uh, I will direct my positive thought towards uh, Peyton Pritchard, who was able to come back off his injury um, and has looked pretty solid. It, he hasn't missed too much of a beat. He had, uh, what, six threes, as well as Shemi Ogilay, um against uh, Toronto, and in, in a big win for us, especially especially now that we know how the next games went, um, uh, but you know appreciative that we have peyton pritchard rounding out our roster um glad that it's it's abundantly clear that he's uh way ahead of jeff teague in the rotation um and really excited i I don't know how much longer marcus smart is going to be out but i'm really looking forward to kind of getting to see this team knock on wood uh with with kind of that full complement of kemba marcus smart and peyton pritchard um, kind of shoring up our playmaking, uh, you know, alleviating some of the burden uh, that's been been placed on on our two like almost definite all stars of the season in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, so another thing to be appreciative and and positive about. So it's been a rough stretch, uh, but I do think there are some uh, no pun intended greener pastures ahead. Um, yeah. But uh here' we'll, the next, you know, we'll see how it goes against Denver and you know we gotta we gotta get some of these games against Atlanta. So
2: yeah, and this is, you know, every season you have a three to five week stretch that just feels a little bit more brutal. The dog days of the season. It just kind of drags on a little bit. And I, I have a feeling this is a season in particular when we're gonna have two stretches like that, and that's the stretch that we're in right now, the first half of the season. We're in the dog days of the season right now. So we, we got to keep perspective. We got to keep grinding it out. We got to work smarter instead of working harder. And yeah, green, put those green glasses back on and stop tweeting so much. <laughs> Thanks
1: again for listening, everyone. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at, at CelticsPridePod. Peace.